Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Evil, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. He's like, man, I, I haven't always done it right. I haven't always done it right. I'm so grateful that that's in there. So grateful for that's in there. Because I don't know about you guys, but I could say the same thing about my life. You and evil, I haven't always done it right. I just haven't. But praise God that that's not the end of, that's not even his testimony. That's just a part of it. Jacob's life is a testimony of the grace of God. Know that God's grace is real and always there for you. Through Jesus, all sins are forgiven. Today, Pastor James teaches you that despite the wicked things that Jacob did throughout his life, he ultimately was shown grace by God. He was able to look forward, knowing that his future was bright. Don't let the weight of your past hold you back from Jesus. Instead, allow it to propel you towards him, for he holds the grace that you need most. Give your heart to him. Ask him to take and forgive you of all of your sins. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 47 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Genesis 47 is where we're at today. So this is where we kind of pick up the pace. Of course, last week was a different week for us, having Doug here speaking, uh, you know, filling in for me. But the week before that, um, Jacob has finally made his way to Egypt, down to Egypt, all right? He has been made aware of the fact that his son, whom he thought was long gone, is actually alive. He's actually alive and well, and the Lord is using him tremendously down in Egypt to save not just the Egyptians, but really to save that known world within that region. So Egypt, but also, also everyone in the land of Canaan, okay? And so now they're, you know, Pharaoh's like, hey, J- Joseph, go get your family. Bring them here. Give them the, we're going to put them in the best of the land. Take my chariots. Those are, those are U-Hauls for them back in the day. Okay, those are fancy U-Hauls for these guys back in the day. He's like, you can load up all the stuff on the chariots, but bring your dad down here. I'm sure there had been conversations between Pharaoh and Joseph about Jacob. I'm sure there had to be, okay? And so Pharaoh is going to get this opportunity to meet this man of God. And he is. He is a man of God. If you know Jacob's story, as we've been walking through it, there's parts of his life where you're like, that doesn't really seem like a man of God, but he is. I can show you parts of my life, and you'd be like, that doesn't really look like a man of God. And I would say, I agree. I agree. Um, Because parts of my life haven't always reflected that. They haven't. But that's not what it's about. It's not about being perfect. It's about perfection that is happening throughout the course of this life and being made into the image of Jesus. It's a journey. It's a journey we're all on. And Jacob has lived that journey. He has lived that journey. And so he's there in in Egypt, and verse 1 of chapter 47, this is where the story picks up. It says, so Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess had come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen, and Goshen would be just the perfect place for shepherds, okay? Perfect place for shepherds. 
And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And now, if you remember from the last chapter, Joseph had told his brothers, when he asks you this, because he's going to, say we're shepherds. Why? So there's that distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians, so that they don't intermix, so to speak. Because that was going to be the temptation, living there in, quote unquote, the world, because Egypt is always a picture of the world. So now you have this special people chosen by God to be different from the world are now living in the world, but they're not supposed to be of the world. So you can live there in Egypt and grow and thrive and do all that stuff, but there has to be a separation. And we talked about that two weeks ago. There has to be holiness. There has to be holiness in the church. There has to be. There has to be a distinction. That doesn't mean you dress weird or, or anything like that. I mean, it's not that stuff. It's how you live your life. That's the distinction. There should be a difference. When we interact with non-believers, there should, and it's not always going to come out, I understand that, but there should be a difference that's noted by them concerning you. There should be. At some point in time in your life, you should have had somebody tell you, why do you act that way? Why do you act that way? Why aren't you, why aren't you mad? Why aren't you upset? When I got hit by a lady running a red light, I was a little mad. And, uh, and I gave her, I told her, I didn't, I didn't lose my cool too bad, but I gave her some words, no bad words, but uh, they were close. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was very mad because I had my little son in the car. And so you want to get a dad mad, well, you hit your car into his car uh, and that'll, that'll do it. But I also clearly clarified to say, I'm like, listen, I'm sorry I lost my cool. I'm a pastor. She's like, really? Not like she didn't believe it, but like, where do you, where at? And I told her and all that stuff. I'm like, listen, I let my emotions get the best of me. And I apologize for that, you know. So I just let her know, like, it's not, you know, I, that sometimes that happens and all that good stuff. But what was good was that, was that kind of helped diffuse the situation for her because she's a mom and she just sees my son crying and she's like, what have I done? I'm like, look, it's going to be okay. Are you hurt? No. Are we hurt? No. See, the Lord's good. The Lord's good, right? And so, but there, there's got to be that difference. Somehow or another, a difference within our lives that people can recognize, like, Okay, you're handling this differently than what I would or what I'm used to. That's, that's that holiness thing. That, that has to be present within our lives. So there, Joseph, in his wisdom, is going to try to maintain that for his family as they grow and develop in, his, or in Egypt. That's why they tell him they're shepherds. Egyptians despise shepherds. They despise them. They, we, the word even tells us that. They were an abomination, Okay. So there's, they're already going to separate themselves, be like, okay, you guys hang out over there, we'll hang out down here. So their brothers are staying before Pharaoh, and they're going to let him know, we, your servants, are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, sojourn, okay, pilgrimage, not establish our lives here in Egypt. We're just sojourning. We're just passing through. Now, it's going to be 400 years, but they're just passing through. You and I, if you're connected to Jesus, as in he's your savior, you're just sojourning through this land. You're just, so, you're just on a pilgrimage because this is not your home. This is not your home. So that's a good journey. That's a good thing, right? Like, we're just, we're just going through. And, but I love that, that even his brothers are able to, to address Pharaoh, and they're like, listen, we're not going to be here long. I mean, we kind of are, but we're not really. We're not intending to be here long. We just, we're just going to camp out. We're just camping out. 
That's it. We're camping out. And even Abraham would, would uh, there's a reference to Abraham and his, this earthly tent that we live in. I mean, it's just fading away. We all know that. I mean, we're, we're all, you know, we're kind of getting closer and closer to either the Lord coming back or whatever it may be for us when that day is for us where he's going to bring us home. It's just a tent. It's temporary. It's just temporary. We're just sojourning. We're sojourning in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your, fa- your father and your brothers in the best of the land. I love it. I love it. The Lord is using someone who doesn't even know him or even have a relationship. He's using somebody who thinks he is God, because that was common with Pharaoh's. They thought they were the, the, the fleshly embodiment of a God. He's using this, this guy who has no connection to God at all in one sense to bless the people of Israel. And you know what's going to happen when, when the world, in one sense, this representation with Pharaoh blessing Israel, he will be blessed because of his support for Israel. Hey, it's a smart thing if you're supporting Israel. It's a really smart thing. It's a really smart thing if you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. It's an intelligent thing to do. We should be doing that constantly. In this country, I, I love our country that we live in and, and just the things and all that stuff, but I pray that we just don't lose our heads and that we continue to. And if you've never been over to Israel, you've got to go. I've been there three times. I would live there. It is beautiful. It is, the people are beautiful. I mean, it is an amazing place. It's an amazing place. Never stop praying for those guys. Never stop praying for those guys. The Lord's not done with them either. I know there's this theological thing that maybe the Lord's done with those. He's not done with his people. He's not done with them. Okay? He's not. So Pharaoh's like, you can have the best. Take the best. Best of the land. Why? Because Joseph has saved Pharaoh, and he has saved his nation. God has used Joseph to save him, and he's recognizing that. And he says, listen, Joseph, you can have, you and your family can have whatever you want. The best. You can have the best. This is just, again, the the favor of God on the man Joseph. Let them settle in the land of Goshen, and if you know of any able men among you, put them in charge of my my livestock. He's like, oh, and if they're really good at what they do, then, hey, go ahead and have them take care of my stuff too. You know, if you don't mind. Joseph is already taking care of almost everything that belongs to Pharaoh. And now he's like, oh, my livestock, your brothers are good at that? Oh, sweet. Let them, they can do that too. This guy's got it easy. Like, he doesn't have to do hardly anything. He's like, he's just outsourcing all this stuff. He's like, oh, they're, they're shepherds. Sweet. You can be in charge of my livestock. And they don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about anything because they're well taken care of. They are going to be well taken care of. And here comes the moment where Jacob kind of gets introduced to this, uh, to this Pharaoh here. Verse 7, then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And you need to understand, Jacob at this point in time, much like his dad Isaac, in, in being well advanced in age, his eyesight is failing him. Okay, we'll see that in, a, in, a, you know, in the next chapter. But his eyesight is basically, I mean, it's pretty much going away. So he's this old man, and here he stands before Pharaoh. And Jacob is the one who's going to bless the quote-unquote greater one. Now, this didn't happen. This doesn't happen. You're standing before the leader of the known world at that point in time. If any blessing was going to happen, it was going to happen from the Pharaoh to you. Because remember, in their eyes, 
this is God, this embodiment, incarnation kind of a deal. No, he would be the one who, you don't bless him, he blesses you. Pharaoh recognizes there's something different about Jacob. There's something distinct about who he is. And Pharaoh will be blessed by Jacob. Not once, but we're told twice that Jacob would bless Pharaoh. And Pharaoh receives it. This is an amazing event, moment in time that is happening in, in, this, in history. For this to be taking place, this is just incredible. Verse 8, it says, And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many, how many are the days of the years of your life? Or in the James Grizzle translation, dude, how old are you? Right? Like, oh my goodness, like, how old are you? He could see that, and, and we'll see the, the years as Jacob's going to tell us, but man, he has earned every single one of those years, and he is wearing them. He is wearing them on his body. So much so that even Pharaoh, now the Egyptians were, were big time into physical appearance, Big time into physical appearance. I mean, they would, uh, you know, they would have makeup on. Uh, even the, you know, even the men, they would have makeup on. They were, they were hairless, so to speak. They didn't like beards. They didn't like the facial hair type thing. Very clean and, and all that. So in their appearance and all that. And here you have this old shepherd guy, Jacob, who's probably rugged, totally rugged, and just maybe has the full beard and everything. He's standing before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, man. You have lived a life, haven't you? You have lived a life. And Jacob's going to tell him that, yeah, absolutely. Jacob responds to Pharaoh. He says, the days of the years of my sojourning, again, my pilgrimage, the days of the years of my, my sojourning are 130 years. That is a long time to be alive. <laughs> now, we understand back then, they were living a little bit longer than we are. I praise God that I, that. You know, I don't think there's anybody alive today that is 130 years old. And man, that just, at, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, Lord, let's just, just get me out of here, right? Like, what is it, you're blessed if you get 80 years. Yes, I think it's at the, the psalm there that Moses had wrote, you know, concerning like 75, 80 years. That's a blessed life. That's a blessed thing. 130 years, I'm like, man, that's a long time. That's a long time. Lord, just, you know, whatever your plan is, but that's a really long time. And he's even going to say, few. 130 years, long time. Jacob's like, no, no, I don't think so. He's like, that's nothing compared to my dad and my grandfather and all of my other forefathers. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of my life or of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. So he says, I know I look old and I am old, but I'm not as old as, as my dad was or as my grandfather or, or all my ancestors were. But he, he throws in this, this strange phrase there, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And that's a strange thing to say to, to the guy who's really in charge of everything, to stand before him. And he just asked him, like, how old are you? He's like, well, let me tell you, um, yeah, I'm old, but uh, concerning my life, they haven't all been good. All those years, they haven't all been good. I love the humility of Jacob in this moment, because he could have said, listen, I'm 130 years old, and uh, man, and, and it's all been great, and it's all been good. And that's true. I mean, if you take a snapshot of it, take a step back, and you look at it, and you're like, yeah, the Lord's been faithful in your life, and all that stuff. But Jacob, at this point in time in his life, he is more than willing to acknowledge the fact that, listen, there's been a 
lot of my life, portions of my life that have been lived out in the flesh, is really what he's saying there. That word evil there, it's basically saying, man, I've lived 130 years, and uh, they haven't all been spirit-filled days. I've lived according to the flesh, you know, a chunk of those days. I love that, this, this, this aged man who's seen it all. I mean, he's experienced it all. We've walked with this guy. He was, he was there in, in Bethel when, you know, the ladder is there and the angels are ascending and descending. And, and then he gets to wrestle with the angel of the Lord and he, he gets his hip socket, you know, put out a joint. And he has these incredible encounters with God. But then we also see all, all the junk, too, from his life, all the, all the mistakes and his, his cunningness and his craftiness and how he was more than willing to lie and manipulate to get his way. He did it with his own dad. He deceived his own dad. He lied to his own dad as his dad was at, his, at this point in his life. He was nearing the end of his life, and Jacob felt no problem going in to his dad and, and pretending to be his brother. To, to get a blessing. Evil, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. He's like, man, I, I haven't always done it right. I haven't always done it right. I'm so grateful that that's in there. So grateful that's in there. Because I don't know about you guys, but I could say the same thing about my life. Few and evil, I haven't always done it right. I just haven't. But praise God that that's not the end of, that's not even his testimony. That's just a part of it. Jacob's life is a testimony of the grace of God, the grace of God. They don't compare. They don't compare. And he tells us again, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. So again, pronounce a blessing upon Pharaoh. And we're not told, that, I mean, really, I mean, this does have an impact, an impact on Pharaoh. We'll see this at, when Jacob passes away, when he dies, um, because The nation of Egypt is going to mourn the loss of this guy for, I think it's like 70 days, right? So, I mean, the nation of Egypt is going to recognize this godly man and say, you know what? Somebody special has passed away, and we're going to recognize that as a nation. That's crazy. So there certainly was something happening within this meeting between Jacob and Pharaoh. But Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and then he he goes out from the presence of Pharaoh. And here is, we're told the rest of the story, so to speak, of... um, Joseph with his family. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, there in Goshen, the the best in the land, the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. This is pretty, this is pretty amazing, okay? So here's Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers many years preceding this, when he was 17 years old, essentially. And he goes, he's living in Potiphar's house. He's the servant of Potiphar. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife loves Joseph. He's a stud. She's just totally lustful towards this guy. Uh, What is it? Making advances towards him and all this good stuff. And he's this kid, 17 years old, is saying, no, no, how could I, I'm not going to sin against your husband, my boss, and I'm not going to sin against God. This is a 17-year-old kid, away from home, no witnesses. Put yourself back at 17 years old, and somebody who probably is attractive is pursuing you pretty aggressively. Decisions may have been differently. Not for Joseph. Joseph's like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm different. Holiness. 
holiness. So he gets thrown in prison, falsely accused of uh, assaulting, sexually assaulting this lady, gets thrown into the prison, is there for quite a while, uh, helps out two, well, helps out really one individual, um, the baker lost his head, Um, but the cupbearer, you know, gets taken out of prison and, and forgets about Joseph for two years and then remembers how Pharaoh has a dream and all this good stuff. And then Joseph gets promoted, all that good stuff. Then the famine happens. Joseph's brothers have to come down to Egypt. We're, we see all this play out. And now you're, you're in this position where Joseph is like the second in command of Egypt. And now he's in a position because God was with him and God is directing his steps. As what we would think is like, this is a tragedy. Joseph got sold into slavery down to Egypt. That's a tragedy. Where is God? Oh, he's right in the middle of the story. He's right in the middle of the story. But that's not how it's supposed to work. Who are you to say? Who am I to say how it's supposed to work? I think God's in control. And I think he can do whatever he wants. And he's got a good plan if I can take a step back and say, okay, Lord, you know more than I do. You see all things. I don't see all things. So I should probably trust you, right? I should probably trust you. Yes. The right answer is yes, you should trust him. Because what we, would, what we would label as catastrophes, God is right there in the midst of the whole story. He's with Jacob or with Joseph. He's using it all for his glory. And here's Joseph now in a position where he can provide for his dad and for his brothers and for his nieces and nephews and for everybody. They are dependent upon Joseph for their survival for everything that they need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's wonderful that this is kind of like a picture of Jesus where it's like, hey, do you belong to Jesus? You're in good hands. You're in good hands. Well, it feels like I'm living in Egypt. You are. This world. This is. You are in Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. feels like he's not here. No, no. He's here. He's present within your life. feels like I'm locked in prison. Right? Like where I'm somewhere where I'm not supposed to be, and I didn't do anything to get here, and why is all this happening? No, listen, he's still with you. He's still with you. What you need to do, what I need to do, what we all need to do is just keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who God is using to provide and supply all of our needs. What do you need? He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Jacob and his whole household are down in Egypt now, they're away from the promised land. But they're in good hands because the one who has been sent there by God is the one who will supply all their needs the entire time they're there. The same translates to you and I today. The same thing translates to us today. You, we don't have anything to worry about, yet we are a society that is consumed with worry. It's growing. It's growing. Worry, anxiety. It's growing within our nation. It is the, it's an epidemic it is an epidemic. You know what the leading, number one leading cause for junior high students is? Suicide. You know why? Anxiety, fear, worry. How is that a reality in our world today where junior high students see no way out that they're taking their own lives? This is crazy, but this is an epidemic. And I think, I think it's something the enemy is using because the most common command in the Bible is... Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Hope 
There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today and would like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. Not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.